And thank uh, Douglas Brown and the adult education team for a really splendid Insights Weekend that they have put together over the last couple of months. If you were here yesterday afternoon for the, uh, the sessions or if you were here in class this morning, then you know that a great teacher of God's Word has come to visit us here in San Antonio. Dr. Rodney Ashlock is here to talk to us about the book of Joshua, the theme Abide. And he is here with his wife, Laura, of 25 years. They have two children, Nathan and Bonnie, both students at Evelyn Christian University. Dr. Ashlock is the preacher at the Westgate Church of Christ as well as a professor of Old Testament at Evelyn Christian University. He is going to be speaking to us on this text that Shannon just read to us. Just a reminder that we will meet here again at 3 o'clock and at 4.30 to continue this study of Joshua. Dr. Ashlock, come and preach to us. Thank you very much. Uh, I also want to say thank you to all of you for letting me be here. Uh, invitations like this are very nice. They're a treat to me. Hopefully it's a bit of a treat for you. I don't know. Uh, sometimes it's nice uh, for the preacher to get a break uh, every once in a while, catch his breath and get ready for next week or the next time he has to be up. So I'm happy to do that as well. I appreciate when they come our way at Westgate uh, likewise. So that's all very nice. Uh, <clears throat> this is a great place. This is one of my wife's very favorite cities in all the world. Uh, she grew up on I-10 on the Louisiana side of that uh, divide there, but uh, she loves anything on I-10. And one of the things I get a kick out of is she likes humidity. And we live in Abilene, Texas, and it's a little bit dry up there. You climb a little bit there, and the air is very dry, and she'll complain about that one uh, sometimes. And because it's a drier air, the uh, temperature fluctuates a little bit, so we get a little bit chillier up there, a little colder than you do down here. Uh, and when we got out uh, Friday evening, it was much warmer here than it had been in Abilene. And she got out of our van uh, in the garage parking lot at the Drury Inn, and she just... Uh, I, I kid you not that uh, she did that. Uh, and she said, humidity. She loves it. And she said, I can breathe again. Now, some of you are shaking your heads. And she did say, she did say one little thing. She I would have to do something about my hair and all this humidity. I don't know where that came into play as well. But anyway, um, we both love it here. Uh, I lived in Corpus Christi for about four and a half, five years growing up, so I'm familiar with this area and know a little bit about humidity as well growing up there. Uh, but I uh, love this neck of the woods. Uh, this part of the state is a great, great part of the state, and uh, we are always delighted when we get an invitation from this part uh, of the state of Texas to be able to come down here, and so we are grateful to you for the invitation. hope you enjoy our time together. And we do want to talk about uh, Joshua. Lots of things going on in the book of Joshua. It's at a very important place. Maybe you can say a critical place in the Old Testament storyline. Uh, we just read a section from Joshua 23. talks about what God is doing in the lives of Israel. Uh, they are entering into the promised land. And if they're going to keep that land, then it becomes very important that they obey the law of God. That's critical uh, in this process here. God has brought them to this land. God has given them this land. They will take this land. They will divide this land up among the 12 tribes. But if they want to stay in the land and they want to continue to live in this land, then they will need very much to keep this law of God, this Torah of God nearby, and they need to read it, they need to understand it, and they need to live by it. They're also going to need good leaders. As I was thinking about coming down here, I thought, you know, uh, for all the topics that I could preach on when you had the whole assembly of God's people here at MacArthur Park, whenever they're all here together, uh, what do I want to talk about? And it's very difficult to read the book of Joshua, especially where it occurs in the Bible, and to not be struck by the importance of leadership. 
good leaders. That is a major theme in the book of Joshua as well. How we get from Moses to Joshua, and this little transition here is very pivotal. What's going to happen after Joshua's gone? What kind of leader will emerge uh, as Joshua passes on and goes the way of all the people of the earth? He dies. What happens next? Leadership is so very, very important. And when you think about great leaders, nearly all of them are forged in the fires of crises. You ever notice that? The great leaders emerge in times of crisis. Uh, things are going smoothly. Things are going well. You know, pretty much anybody could run the show then. But when you have a crisis on your hands, then you really need a strong leader to step forward. Uh, it's very easy for us as uh, in America here to think about presidents this way. You think about George Washington, crisis, an emerging nation, uh, the British, all the good things, Boston Tea Party, all those little stories that we might think about as far as the president of the United States, the very first one. He had to be a pretty strong leader, didn't he? You might think about Abraham Lincoln. Civil War, time of crisis in this country here. We had to have a strong leader. We got one, and the country survived and continued on. Uh, you think about the Great Depression and World War II in the 20th century. Think about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Great presidents, the names that we remember. There's a lot of presidents that if you're ever asked today, okay, rattle off the names of all the presidents. Some of them are very hard to recall, right? Those three, not so much. We know a lot about them. We hear about them. We talk about them because they emerged in times of crisis. Well, Joshua emerges in a time of crisis as well. The Israelites are coming out of the wilderness. They've been wandering there for 40 years. They know how to live in the wilderness. They know how to survive in the desert. They can do that because they've been doing it for 40 years. But what does it actually mean to settle into a land and live in the same place year after year after year? What does it mean to actually grow crops? They haven't been growing crops for a while, have they? I mean, they've been wanderers, nomads, maybe some pastoralists. They had some sheep, some goats. They've done that, and they know how to do that. But how do you farm? When do you plant? When do you sow? What do you do? All these things that maybe is common to those who are in Canaan, who are used to farming, but for these Israelites who are coming into this land, how do you do that? All this is brand new. And, of course, the big crisis at hand is the death of Moses, this leader in Israel. He'd been in charge of this people for 40 years. 40 years. Everybody knew where to turn. You had a question? Go see Moses. Got a problem? Go see Moses. Uh, something broke? Go see Moses. It didn't matter what was going on there. You went to see Moses, and Moses would fix it. Moses would tell you how to do things. Moses was the one who spoke to God. Moses was the one who came out with a shining face. Everybody knew who Moses was, and knew everybody knew where to go. You go see Moses. It didn't matter. You went to see Moses. But now... Here we are on the cusp of entering the land, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. And so when we talk about this, uh, we have a, su a successful succession. We have a crisis, but we also move. Because when you look back to the book of Deuteronomy, we were actually preparing for this moment. We talked a little bit yesterday in our classes uh, how important it is for churches to be aware of this and that you don't actually wait till the crisis arrives to be prepared for it. You actually get ready for it in advance. You anticipate these times. You anticipate these situations, and you prepare folks because none of us are here forever. Even the great Moses dies. And in Deuteronomy 31, you have a passage that talks about Joshua will be your replacement. In fact, we even have this language of the Lord commissioning Joshua. 
Joshua is the one who is prepared for this occasion. Joshua is the one who will take up the mantle. Joshua is the one now who will lead the people forward here. We have a successful succession. We hand the baton from one Moses to the other Joshua, and we're ready to go, and we hit the ground running in the book of Joshua because we have prepared for succession. We anticipate the crises that will emerge. We're looking around and saying, who are the folks that we need to lead us? Who will be the one in the next generation that will take up the challenge, who will lead us forward into new and exciting times? Israel did that in the case of Moses to Joshua. So there's a lot of things going on here in this little situation here, but Joshua is now the new leader, and he has a mission. He has received a commission, and he is to lead the Israelites on a mission, and it is mission possible as far as Joshua is concerned. It is not impossible because God is going to be with Joshua and the Israelites will do as Joshua commands and they will take the land that the Lord their God is giving to them. And so it is a successful process here. He is now the leader of the folks there and they go into the land, they take the land, they will divide the land up among the tribes and Joshua will give a final charge. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And we are told at the end of the book of Joshua that during the days of Joshua and all these leaders from that generation, Israel served the Lord. But we're told in the next book, the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10, that the next generation grew up and they did not know the mighty acts of God. And we know that the next generation wasn't quite equipped as well. So what do leaders need in times of crisis? I think that's something for us to think about. And I thought during our time together I would share a few things, that uh, some insights from the book of Joshua, as far as I'm concerned, that really could help leaders out. And the first thing that a leader needs in a time of crisis is courage. Courage. Uh, I was actually listening during the announcement about budget. All right? uh, we can talk about budget in terms of financial crisis. Uh, that, you know, we know that the economy is not in the best shape. Uh, being an elder, going to that budget room is not going to be fun. You even heard some ominous language in our announcement this morning here. It's not going to be a fun task. Cutting budgets means you have to go and tell people you don't have as much money. People aren't going to be happy when they're told they don't have as much money. When you step into this uh, little area here of leadership, you know you're going to make some people unhappy. It comes with the territory of being a leader. Joshua is going to be a leader. In chapter 1, on four different occasions, he's told this phrase, be strong and courageous. In fact, one of those times God says, not only be strong, but you might want to be very courageous. And in some situations, recall for a great deal of courage. And if we're going to be leaders in this way and in a church today, we've got to have some courage. Now, one of the things I also want to show is that, you know, these aren't just Old Testament ideas. I want to read a passage to you from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks about this. And interesting thing about Philippians, it is one of the prison epistles. You know what that means? Paul's in prison when he writes it. Now, going to prison, that's not a very nice thing, is it? And uh, my guess is prisons back in the days of the Greco-Roman Empire probably weren't all that nice of a place to stay. I really doubt they cared too much about prisoner rights. Back in the Romans, eh, nah, they're not interested in those. So my guess is prison was not a nice place to be. And sometimes we can read through these letters and we look at, you know, Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul's in prison, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're just singing all happy that we don't pay. Paul's in prison. He's in prison. What does that mean? What would that have been like? And we think about all the things about prison that maybe would create a little bit of fear in us 
We can apply that to Paul. But listen to what Paul writes from prison to the Philippians. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, uh, for to, me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Talk about courage. And one of Paul's prayers is that I might have sufficient courage. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but one of the things I would challenge our leaders here, and I know leaders can take a, a number of different strides. We will think about elders, and I will talk a little bit about elders this morning, but I realize up front that we have lots of people in lots of different kinds of leadership roles. We have ministry staff folk. We have people who do all kinds of ministries, and they are leaders in those ministries. And for anybody in any kind of leadership role, uh, do you ever pray for courage? Do you ever pray for courage? If you don't, you need to because it's essential to leadership. You have to have courage. Joshua needed to be encouraged, be strong and courageous. Oh, by the way, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Oh, by the way, Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Oh, by the way, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Paul writes to the churches in Philippi and says, uh, I am greatly in need of courage. Courage. For us to be in positions of leadership, we need courage. Second thing we need, not only do we need courage, but we also need God's abiding presence. I want to tie into our class this morning because this is an ever-present theme in the book of Joshua. It's a theme that we've chosen for the whole series here, so I want to mention it several times so that when you leave, you remember, that if you forget everything else, you remember God's abiding presence. And that's what leaders need. They need to be reminded. The little phrase that we have in the book of Joshua, as I was with Moses so I will be with you. Now, if you stop and think about Moses for just a second, it's easy to paint him as this powerful leader, and I kind of did that a little bit earlier, didn't I? You know, whatever you need, go see Moses. And by the time you finish the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is this you know, quintessential leader. But did it really start that way? If you go back to Exodus chapter 3, burning bush, God and Moses having this conversation, would you describe Moses as this great leader in Exodus 3? I don't think so. And you talk about a guy trying to wiggle off the hook. Uh, he's always you know, trying to find some excuse, some reason why God should pick somebody, anybody else but me. You know, uh, God, uh, who are you? Uh, who am I to lead your people? And I love that particular excuse. You know, Moses saying, hey, you know, look at me. I'm out here. I'm a shepherd. For my, I don't even have my own business. I'm a shepherd for my father-in-law, working for him, living home still, all right? Uh, I don't have any income, barely making a living here, out here in the middle of the desert. Uh, and you want me to go back to Egypt? And in case you haven't checked, uh, the Pharaoh is the most powerful person in this neck of the woods. And you want me to go and talk to him? Who am I? And what's God's response to Moses? Don't worry about you, Moses. I will be with you. And you, must, you plus me makes a great team. In fact, you plus me, God says, is an unbeatable team. And so God is with us. Listen to the words of Jesus. I think this is very important here for those in class. You heard this verse, but I know not everybody was in this class. So I want to make sure everybody got uh, this great commissioning as disciples. We leave and we go forward. And my guess today is that 
Uh, we need courage not only to be leaders, but we need courage to be disciples in this day and age. Uh, but we also need to be reminded that God is with us. Notice what Jesus says to the disciples at the very end of this verse. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God promises through the words of Jesus Christ, he will always be with us. Leaders need God's abiding presence. I would also suggest we regular folk, we need God's abiding presence as well. But in times of crisis, this becomes very essential. The third item that I want to talk about for our leaders in times of crisis that they need uh, is an obedient mind and heart. An obedient mind and heart. You know, it's very tempting whenever you step into a position of leadership uh, to really see this as a position of power, position of authority. Hey, now I get to make the decisions. Now I got a little bit of control over this situation here. And it's very easy for things like that to go to our heads. Listen to this little warning given to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Uh, Joshua, I want to just give you a little check here. Yes, you're going to be the leader of this people. And yes, you're going to lead them and you're going to do great things. But this can all go south in a hurry if you don't keep this book of the law of Moses nearby. If this doesn't begin to shape you, to form you, to transform you, if you don't keep this book near at hand, then you won't be the kind of leader that I'm calling you to be. That's God's Word. And I think for leaders in times of crisis, we cannot forget God's Word. For Joshua, it might have been just the first five books of the Old Testament. For us, this Word is expanded a little bit, isn't it? And there is this Word from God spoken in Jesus Christ that we need to pay very, very close attention to. And we need to meditate upon that word. We need to reflect upon that word. We need to be shaped by that word, formed by that word, transformed by that word, so we become the kind of leaders that God is calling for in this time of crisis and where we live right now. I like what Peter has to say. John chapter 6, Jesus' teaching has this very difficult thing, a little discussion, discourse about being the bread of life. You ever read that in John chapter 6? It gets downright bizarre. Because one of the things Jesus says is that unless you eat my, body, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you cannot be my follower. That's, whoa, that's tough stuff, isn't it? And we're told in John chapter 6, seven different places the people began to complain. There was a dispute that rose among them. And several of the disciples start to just kind of fall away. And then Jesus looks up. And there's still a few around him. And I find it very interesting. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter, one of his better moments, he has some not so good moments, but he does have some really good ones too. This is one of the better ones. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's humble. Those words are obedient words. Where else can we go? Lots of ideas out there, lots of folks out there, lots of hands being raised trying to get our attention, lots of noise out there all vying for our ears. Yet Peter says, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? Leaders, 
good leaders in times of crisis need to echo these words of Peter. And they need to be obedient in heart and mind. And then finally, what good leaders need in times of crisis? A bit of encouragement. It's been kind of heavy up to this point, right? They need courage. They need to be obedient. They need to keep the law close at hand. They need to do all these things here. Let me say one other thing. What leaders need in times of crisis, they need encouragement. Uh, I have a little verse up here from the end of chapter 1 of the book of Joshua where the people tell Joshua, Hey, Joshua, we got your back. We're going to do what you ask us to do. Don't worry about it. We're following you. Be strong and courageous. This is the fourth time that phrase is used in chapter 1. And I like it because it's the regular people looking at their leader and saying, Listen, we are behind you. We're following your lead. You go forth. We're right behind you. You take us where we need to go. When's the last time you've gone to one of the leaders of this church, to one of the shepherds, one of the elders, and said, we're following you. We're going to go where you lead us. Just be strong and courageous. When's the last time you've gone up to a leader in maybe a ministry that you participate in and said, I appreciate you. You're doing a good job. I like the direction of this ministry. Keep at it. We're working with you. Just be strong and courageous. You don't think that means something to those who are in leadership positions? Listen once again to the Apostle Paul. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I like, I like this little scripture here because it's so encouraging. Uh, Paul's discouraged when he's writing 1 Thessalonians. He's got a number of questions going on in his head, but listen to this bit of good news that he got. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. You know, leaders, even leaders like the Apostle Paul, even leaders like Joshua need encouraging. They need to hear good news. They need somebody to come up and say, you're doing a good job. They solicit your prayers. Because these are not the easiest of times to lead churches in the United States of America. Not the easiest times at all. Many people would even suggest that we are in a bit of a crisis in this country. And we need good and strong leaders in order to lead us. We need to rely on the presence of God in the life of this church, in the life of the individuals, and in this church as a whole. We need to keep the word near to us, to turn neither to the right nor to the left, as tempting as it may be at times. And we need to encourage each other. And we need to encourage our leaders in these times. This morning as we sing our song of invitation, I know it hasn't been maybe an overly evangelistic sermon, but maybe it has. It's an invitation to encourage each other. Find somebody who maybe is a little bit discouraged. Find a leader maybe who's got their, you know, their shoulders are bowing down a little bit under the weight and they need somebody to come along and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I want to invite you to do that. And I also want to invite anybody here who has never confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and has never put on Christ in baptism to come now as we stand and as we sing. My